Hello, this is the Unexpected Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Brooks. I'm a speech language pathologist who found herself unexpectedly expecting. Tune in as I update you week by week along my pregnancy journey. Episodes will also feature chats with new and expecting moms. So let's get into it. I'm 26 weeks pregnant and COVID positive. Yeah, so I got the news that I'm COVID positive and it really, really blows. Before we talk too much about me, let's find out about what you would ordinarily expect at 26 weeks pregnant. 26 weeks according to what to expect when you're expecting. Next time you're browsing through the meat department, pick up a two-pound chuck roast. No, not for dinner. Just so that you can get a sense of how big your baby is this week. That's right, your baby now weighs nearly full two pounds and measures in at 14 plus inches long. Another momentous development this week, your baby's eyes are beginning to open. The eyelids have been fused for the past few weeks, so the retina, the part of the eye that allows images to come into focus, could develop. The colored part of the eye, the iris, still doesn't have much pigmentation, so it's too early to start guessing your baby's eye color. Still, your baby is now able to see a huge development. Sure, there's not much to see in the dark of the womb, But with heightening of those senses, you may notice an increase in activity when your baby perceives bright light or hears a loud noise. In fact, if a loud vibrating noise is brought close to your belly, your baby will respond by blinking and startling. A good reason not to pump up the volume too much. So what happened was, um, if you, I think, remember in 24 weeks that episode, I talked about being nervous about COVID because there were just so many close encounters that week. Mike did a moving job for um, somebody who ended up being COVID positive later. He did another moving job for um, some people I know who refused to wear masks. So then that made me paranoid. Um Then I also have been doing in-person speech therapy at a clinic, and two of the kids that I see there tested positive for COVID. Um, So there was just like a lot of close calls in the past few weeks. So on January 12th was a Tuesday, I think, whatever day was a Tuesday around that time, um, Mike and I got rapid tests, and they both came out negative. By the 14th, I started to have a scratchy throat. Mike already started presenting with symptoms, I think probably like the 12th or the 13th, but they got progressively worse. But by the 12th, it was just like sniffly stuff. So anyway, we both got tested. It was both negative. Um, I went to work on the 14th, which was a Thursday. And I, when I was leaving, I was like, oh, my throat feels scratchy. And then I thought maybe I was being paranoid. Then Friday morning, I woke up for teletherapy. I got through one session. My whole table was covered in tissues. I felt super congested and um, not well. So I canceled the rest of my day. And then I also canceled my Friday. So then from the 15th until the 20th of January 2021, which was like from Friday to Wednesday, I felt pretty miserable. And the peak of it was... um, So on that Friday, I was 25 weeks. Um, At the peak of that, I felt just like 
everything in my face was on fire. Just like my nasal pharynx, my nose. It was just like dry and burning. And um, I didn't have any, I did get like a low grade fever, I suppose. Because like my, I take my temperature all the time because of work. And I'm so often 97 point something. And um, I got up to 99, which is not common for me. Um, Mike got up to a hundred, I think a couple times, but that's luckily the worst that it got in terms of fevers, but we both took that rapid test and it was negative. So we thought it was fine. So then who I'm out of breath, which is just pregnancy symptom or it's a COVID symptom. Who knows? I don't know. Um, anyway, so I was really sick from Friday, the 15th until Wednesday the 20th then Thursday the 21st I felt better um so I went to work and um I saw kids I think I only saw one kid that day yeah just one kid and then Friday the 22nd I went to work all day I saw four kids and um came home started to get something to eat And I get a phone call and it's seven o'clock at night and the physician's assistant in my office, my OB office, says that I tested positive for COVID. Um, Oh, to rewind. So this was my 26th week of pregnancy and I went in Tuesday the 26th for my glucose test. I had the orange drink. I did not think it was terrible. Um, I think it was just hard towards the end. I started to gag a bit because they said drink it within five minutes. So on the 26th, I went in for my um, appointment to get the glucose test. I had also asked for a PCR test that day just because I was already there um, and didn't think much of it. After that, I was feeling much better than I was feeling. I just had taken Tylenol and Benadryl and vitamin C and zinc and um vitamin d and my prenatal vitamins um orange juice gatorade water and also like i mentioned the vix inhaler i've been using a lot um so i felt much better by the 26th anyway that was my pcr test day and uh by friday the 20 i don't even know what that date was friday was the 29th That's when I got the call saying that I have tested positive for COVID Um, and it was 7 p.m. So then I had an email like every parent that I had seen their kid that day, which felt awful and let them know that I had just found out that I tested positive for COVID and that was awful. And um, but what's been the absolute worst part is wondering, okay, so I was already sick. Did I have COVID already or is COVID coming? Um, but so far I still feel good, but I have to isolate for 10 days. And yeah, that's my story about COVID. So I'll keep you updated. So in this episode, we talk about preeclampsia. And that is a disorder of pregnancy characterized by the onset of high blood pressure and often a significant amount of protein in the urine. When it arises, the condition begins after 20 weeks of pregnancy. In severe cases of the disease where... 
there may be red blood cell breakdown, a low blood platelet count, impaired liver function, kidney dysfunction, swelling, shortness of breath due to fluid in the lungs, or visual disturbances. Preeclampsia increases the risk of poor outcomes for both the mother and the baby. If left untreated, it may result in seizures at which point it is known as eclampsia. So in this episode, I chat with uh, Leah Curtin. She is a speech language pathologist and uh, she's got a lot of great resources on her website, Speech and Language at Home. And she tells me all about her experience um, with preeclampsia. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome Leah Curtin to the Unexpected Podcast. Thanks for joining me, Leah. Yes, so happy to be here. So Leah is a fellow speech-language pathologist, and she has excellent, excellent resources for uh, speech and language at home, which just so happens to be her, is that your LLC? Is that your private practice? What is? Yes, yes, speech and language at home. Yes. So that's her, basically her company and she's got lots of freebies. So if you are, um, trying to increase your speech and language opportunities at home with your children, you should definitely check out her website. So today Leah's going to talk to us about what it was like to be pregnant and give birth back when she did. So how was your overall pregnancy? Um, So it was a while ago. My kids Mm -hmm. are grown. I have two kids that are teenagers now. Um, But overall, pregnancy non-eventual. I mean, just... Mm -hmm. um, Which is interesting because what you've told me so far, I'm not skipping ahead, things get eventful. So when you tell me that it was uneventful, then I'm like, oh, that's like... Because you're thinking everything's going swell and like... Yes. So everything was just standard is what you're saying. Yes. Everything was standard. I was just starting to buy some maternity clothes. I was, um, so basically, yeah, up until about six months, things were pretty standard. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like you've talked about the heartburn and, um, you know, just not terrible pregnancy, not sleeping. I think that was something like I was just um, I have a theory that's just restless. like your body getting you ready. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're getting used to not having a full night's sleep for sure. Right. Um, just trying to find ways to get comfortable and kind of just having to pee all the time, like getting up in the middle of the night and yeah, mm-hmm. that good yeah. stuff. All that. Yes. All that. I yeah. have those. Everyone who listens knows I don't have too much on the checklist, but the ones that you said, yeah, I've got all those things. Yeah. And it's um, just, just, you know, an adjustment getting used to them. But I think I've heard you say too, it's like also a nice reminder that things are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And it's just for my, yes, I'm pregnant. (laughs) You know, it gets to the point where you pregnant. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I do feel that way. It just lets you know that, okay, so like this process is occurring because I did, Mm -hmm. if I didn't have at least those symptoms, then I would be like, what's, it's just Tuesday. Are you feeling the baby more now? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Okay. I've caught up a little bit to where you were, but I think the last 
I've been following along, which has been so fun to like kind of relive this, the stages. Um, but I know it took a while for you to feel things. So I'm sure it sounds like you're feeling more. Yeah. That anterior placenta, which I feel like if, if this, if this podcast was a drinking game and every time I said that, like somebody drank, you'd be drunk. Cause I mention it in every episode and then (laughs) everybody. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but now I feel, I feel him a lot which I've yeah. been I read that when he gets bigger you don't feel him as much because there's nowhere to go which I'm like True. well so what I got this tiny window that's True. annoying but we'll see what happens yeah. down the line it's such a cool thing because you can't really explain that to other people to experience it yeah. yeah it's hard but then yeah. once you once it happens you're like oh okay definitely that's what that was that's what it was mm-hmm. yes yes so you said um, you got to six months and then. So I got to six months and um, I was working in a K-8 school at the time. Um, and things just kind of all started happening. I, I went in for my six month appointment. It was at the end of the school year. My due date was in August and um, this was my six month appointment. Um, this was May, like the second week in May. And um, I went in, you know, the first thing they do is like weigh you, do your um, blood pressure and all of that. And the nurse just gave me this crazy look, like, are you feeling okay? And I'm like, yeah. And I had kind of rushed to the appointment because I went after school. And so, you know, at the end of the year, it's just crazy, crazy. Right. So I was um, definitely busy rushed in there but apparently my blood pressure was elevated and so she had the uh someone else come and take it again and mm-hmm. um one thing led to another I don't even remember them asking me other any other questions besides the actual doctor came in and took my blood pressure and um basically I was showing symptoms of early pre- preeclampsia okay. which if you had asked me that morning I had I really didn't know what that was I wasn't feeling um any different than I normally do so them telling what me what is that I preeclampsia have... is it just... okay okay it's basically I you know I should know more about it I was reading about it at the time but the simplified version of it is is your body starts to kind of reject the baby it sees it as a foreign thing and so it it sends signals for your body to like um, kind of reject it. And so okay. you get kind of high blood pressure and which can lead to, there's like lots of other symptoms. That was the main one that I had and it can take prolonged, but mine escalated pretty quickly. So, um, if left untreated, you could have like a stroke or a heart attack, or, I mean, it can be pretty oh. severe. Wow. And you just so, happened to have a doctor's appointment. I just happened to have a doctor's appointment that day. Okay. And we were actually scheduled to go in and start like labor classes that evening. Mm-hmm. This was like four o'clock in the afternoon. And um, they're like, no, we need to keep you here. And so I was like, okay. So I had to call my husband and, and say, I think you need to come in. Uh, I wasn't sure how long they were going to keep me. I wasn't sure how serious it was at that point they were just monitoring me, but they're like, we need to keep you here overnight. Uh So the doctor's appointment was like right across from the hospital. So I just was admitted. And um, 
yeah, so I stayed the night and they, my blood pressure was going up and down and they were monitoring it, regulating it. And, um, and what do they do to like, stop that? Do they give you like medicine or I want to say it was Pitocin. I mean, I, I, I don't want to miss that is what stands out in my mind. That could be totally wrong, but I, I think okay. that's what, um, maybe that's what they used to. Cause I think Pitocin is what starts to progress to, to, the birth. Yes. That, so I know they were giving, so the, I did get that at one point also because uh-huh. they wanted, so that skips to the next step, but there's, okay. um, there's other things they could do to, to slow it down, but so I they was were on, attempting to slow your blood pressure on and to help you keep this baby inside you as long as possible. Yes. And I wasn't really going into labor. So mm-hmm. they, um, were trying to get the blood pressure under control. Okay. Um, yes. And, you know, it's so confusing at that point because you are not thinking about any, I mean, this is like, no, all, all new. And, um, you have no hospital bag, no labor no, classes, no birth no. plan. You're only six months at this point. Right. And they're telling you, I mean, it could, they could, I mean, a lot of people have preeclampsia and, um, you go on bed rest or, um, you know, it's man or it's further along in the pregnancy. But at that time I was just at the end of my 27th week. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it could, I, I could have just gone on bed rest, but my, they weren't able to manage my symptoms mm-hmm. and the hospital that I was staying at was, um, not a high level NICU. Oh, so goodness. they okay. said, okay we don't really have the um, equipment here to manage it, like child born at that age. And so they, I ended up having to take an ambulance to another hospital that was like a higher. Was that scary? Um, you know, I think through the whole thing, they, they explained things very well and maybe things were higher risk than I was, than they were telling me but I was reassured through the whole thing um no one was panicking or freaking out the doctors were all really um very good at explaining things and trying you know That's they good. were trying to elevate my blood pressure so right um I I think it was definitely unexpected <laughs> um I I think I have a very pretty chill kind of calm personality anyway I mean mm-hmm. I don't think I freak out about stuff so I it was just a lot of new information to process and right. like, I think it because they weren't sure what was going to happen next so I wasn't sure what was going to happen next so and was this your first pregnancy yeah okay yeah and that's the other thing with preeclampsia it often happens more in first pregnancies um I was only 28 at the time, um, but I think the older you are, the higher risk you have for being, you know, at risk for preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. Um, no, wait, maybe I got that wrong. Maybe it's with you. I'm sorry. It's been like 18 well, years. I always so felt the, like this the is not, we're not it, here I to feel teach like I know, like, <laughs> I, I don't want to give people misinformation, but That's I do know fine. it's more with first 
uh, pregnancies, it tends to be yeah. a little so higher. So we are just going off anecdotes here. So yeah, I apologize. I, I don't, don't have a very detailed account of it, but the, yeah. the, the things that stand out in my mind. So I'm, I'm at the second hospital and um, yeah, so they couldn't get my blood pressure under control. I'm being monitored. And this was a, like a teaching hospital. It was at the university of Arizona. So mm -hmm. they had a lot more a lot more visitors coming into my room because it was uh, students learning and you know, I would give them permission to come in and like mm -hmm. listen to um, the doctors kind of do their analysis yeah. and stuff. But it was like different people all the time. So um, I did have to keep track because what I learned was um, sometimes one doctor would tell me one thing and then by the next round, a different doctor would come in and I could get like different information. Mm -hmm. And so I, I learned kind of quickly, I had to sort of advocate for myself or pay attention, kind of keep notes because you would forget and you're, you know, these medical names that I wasn't familiar with. Um, I wasn't sure. So you kind of have to if you're ever put in that position to just ask questions and keep a record for yourself so that even if you don't fully understand what's going on, you can, if things aren't matching up, like you, you right, know, to, yeah. to clarify things. But I think that was just my experience because of where I was and things were changing so quickly and um, it just, there wasn't a consistent person to connect with. So mm -hmm. um yeah. Uh, well, now everyone has smartphones, so you can Google everything that yeah. people say. But you would have needed a medical textbook handy. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I was looking uh, up like information. I was like, oh, I'm reliving it. I was like, pulled out um, the baby book. And this was like uh, everything that I have was on like film. That's how old it was. It's like, mm -hmm. we didn't even have like smartphones to take pictures of. Um, so. Yeah, it was like different technology then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but I think from my experience, so I they ended up saying we need to um, deliver this baby because it, it was basically for my health. Um, I was being put more and more at risk. And so they okay. ended up doing an emergency C-section at like two o'clock in the morning. Oh, and, um, you know, my husband was there, my family was not there, but I called him and told him, like, I think we're having the baby, you might want to come to the hospital. Nice. And, um, yeah, I, I think being in that situation was scary, but I think because of my background with child education and having worked with kids with all sorts of disabilities I felt like whatever the circumstances are I can handle it and we can mm -hmm. figure things out so um yeah I, I don't think I was as freaked out as if I didn't know anything about kids so that right. really helped me feel more secure about the whole and keep me kind of calm through the whole thing so, and then how big was she she was um, less than two pounds, um, one pound, 15 ounces. My goodness. 
Yeah, little, little, but I was so grateful because, um, I mean, a lot of people would come to that hospital because they had a higher NICU. And so Mm -hmm. she was just very early. Um, at that age, the lungs aren't developed. Right. Did they um, give you a steroid shot? That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yes. So I was given steroid shots and, um, to help progress the development of the lungs. Correct. Vision is also something that they're concerned about because the eyes aren't, retina is not fully developed. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was things that even after she was born that we were still not totally out of the woods with, but, um, digestive the digestive system is still they're not used to um digesting formula or I was um pumping and they were giving like milliliters of milk Mm -hmm. um so even like two milliliters of milk they would um watch and see how that digested so that was something that they were tracking daily Mm -hmm. um so she was born and then did they immediately take her to the NICU or did you get to hold her? Yes, immediately. Cause it was surgery. Um, right. It was a C-section and they, they did take her. There was the, um, a team of people working with me and a team of people working with her. So I did not get to see her right away. They mm-hmm. were very cute. They sent little Polaroids to my room. Uh, um, Polaroids. <laughs> it was so, yeah, I know. That's how. Yeah. Oh, but I have them now. They're so cute. Yeah. And it, but it was scary because they're like all of the equipment, right? Right. Um, yeah. So yes. when you finally did, well, when you saw the Polaroids, then she probably had like the sunglasses on. Totally. And then totally. the, the like, tubes and everything. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so um, how long was it until you were able to like get off oh. all the drugs and then go yeah. wheel yourself upstairs or down wherever um, it was. It was probably about six hours before oh. I could, I didn't get to see or hold her. They were, but um, I could go up to the room and like, I could view her. They were, they were still at that. Um, uh-huh. So I didn't get to hold her right away. I don't even remember how long it was, but. Um, probably the next day. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't as early as I would, it wasn't the first time I saw her was not able to. And then what was the drug situation like from the C-section? Like, were you super groggy and then you were just like, not even really aware or you were just, you were like fully aware? No, I don't remember being um, I was pretty with it the whole time. Okay. Um, I had been on other medication, like just that they were monitoring me. So I don't even know what all of those other medications were, right. but, um, yeah, so it's sort of foggy, but after I had her, they did, you know, I started feeling better. Um, so they could stop giving me all the medications that I had been on, um, that they were using to try and monitor the situation. Right. So, um, yeah, your body just adjusts pretty quickly. And I don't remember, I think I just had so much adrenaline. We didn't know, um, what we were having. So, um, I think there was also some, just a sense of like relief and excitement. People were like, weren't you so terrified? I was like, 
No, I was so excited because I was a mom. I mean, I was like, I get to meet my baby. Like, I don't have to wait any longer. Like, Mm -hmm. I was thrilled that the wait was over. So I think I just kind of had that adrenaline going. And that's good. Yeah, you're you just adjust to here. I mean, like the drug or the like drowsy out of it kind of I don't even remember that being a factor okay I mean even if it was there you just you're so excited about this baby that Mm -hmm. that's a much stronger feeling than um you know yeah anything the the side effects so yeah so then how long um how long was she in the NICU for until her due date um, close to it, about um six weeks. Okay. Yeah. So the middle of yeah, we were supposed to be due in August, and this was May, like the middle of May. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, maybe it was uh six or seven weeks that she was in the NICU. Um, and how did so it feel was- to have to like leave the hospital but not have? your baby with you that's what just seems like scary to me yeah um I think the main thing that I was thinking is you know she's just where she needs to be right someone can watch her 24 hours a day they like I was just feeling like here take my baby you guys know what you're doing I Mm -hmm. like um yeah I don't have all these machines at home no and so I felt relief that and just so grateful that we were getting good care. And I mean, I know you have family working in the hospital and stuff too. Like yeah. the staff is amazing. They became like family over those. I, I just really felt very grateful that this baby was getting attention and everyone was doing the best they could. And, you know, even if I couldn't be there 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. um, like knowing that the care was I didn't have to there was nothing I could do right there was nothing more that I could do so so then Um, while she was there um you were able to go visit her sometimes were you did did you you were pumping and giving breast milk Mm -hmm. okay yeah and I wasn't getting very much milk because I just my body hadn't gotten ready to produce that much but it was enough because I didn't need very much at all right so I was pumping the whole time um and it did grow my milk production did grow um but eventually I just wasn't able to make enough so I ended up having to switch to formula um I was supplementing with formula so I was used to doing both and then I just it just never fully came in Mm -hmm. um we were doing the kangaroo care, which is also helps with um, the, the breast milk. Um, and that part was really, really cool. So yeah. that's when you're holding your baby on you. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. I keep saying like, Mike, you better get ready to strip down in that room. Yeah. You're going to take off your yeah. shirt and hold my baby. Cause I keep thinking like, Oh, if I have to get a C-section, like I need to have like things written down so that you know, Mike will have to be doing skin to skin contact and kangaroo care. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So my husband and I both did it and um, it's such a cool experience. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So then while she was in the NICU, was it like you were getting status updates and things were just like going well? Were there any like scary moments or calls or anything? It was very medical. I mean, it was like rounds. You would have to wait until a certain, you know, like they would do um, shift changes at seven and morning and seven at night. And like, even when we wanted, it was, there were some frustrated days where we would want to go in Mm -hmm. and they they were just like having to alter their schedule basically you have to work around what are their cares and so they don't they want to let the babies like they don't want to poke them as much as possible you know they want to let them rest and grow so every three hours they do as much as they can they'll change the diaper they'll take blood if they need to they'll you know kind of go in and get everything done that they need to um you know as quickly as they can and then let the baby go back to sleep um and so you have to kind of time your visits when they're doing their cares so that luckily if you catch it you can um be there and that's when we would do the kangaroo care and then you would just be sitting there for like three hours until it was time to do the next round of cares and then they would so um some days were smoother than others uh there was definitely some scares with um the digestive system but mm-hmm. um, we were fortunate that everything came back normal we didn't I mean we were again just very grateful that this baby just really needed to grow and we just knew it was just a matter of time and of course uh-huh. there's a lot of things at risk but um you know a lot of other kids have you know there's all different needs so ours was just kind of waiting and did you need to like achieve at a certain weight and that was like the criteria for discharge yeah so they go from like room they like they there's like a high intensity at least the hospital we were at there's like a section of where they had babies that were newly <laughs> newly admitted and those those babies were um monitored much more frequently and then they would move to like this the last stage was like the growers and the feeders and those babies just really needed to they really wanted you to get to like um I'm so sorry no worries that's fine dogs happen yeah um so they really wanted to get to around four pounds um before she would come home so that's what we did um, and, and that's what happened. I'm sorry. No worries. <laughs> I'm going to let my dog out. <laughs> yeah, bye. Yeah, so feeders and growers, that's that term. I hear that yeah. a lot. So that's just like everything standard. We're just waiting to gain weight. Yes. Just gain weight, making sure those lungs are working and, um, that they're, eating on a regular schedule, digesting, um, pooping and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So then when you did get home, was there any like extra care instructions or you just had a standard human then? So we were on oxygen mm-hmm. and um, a heart monitor because they did have like apnea. You just don't want there. There were a few, few days where their heart would 
slowdown. And so uh -huh. they just want to continue monitoring that. Um, so we did come home with oxygen and a heart monitor, mostly just for sleeping. When we were up with the baby and holding it, we didn't have to have that on all the time, but at okay. overnights for sure. Um, kind of when they go into that deep sleep. Right. Yeah. Just to make sure that they don't forget to keep breathing. Keep breathing. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Oh, so, so overall you had a good NICU experience. So even though you, it was very unexpected, but overall it seems like. Yes. I, right. I mean, at the time, I mean, it just depended on the day. Some days were scarier than others, but overall, um, yes, it was a, a good experience and yeah, it, it's just incredible what the, the staff can do. So yeah. 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 So then, um, growing up developmentally, so were the milestones all achieved in a timely fashion or were those delayed? The milestones were delayed because you sort of have the, like the catch up period. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our, our, um, milestones weren't related to, you know, her age, um, right. you're kind of adjusted. Uh, but everything was fine. Motor skills were a little delayed. So we were put in the system with um, early intervention and we had a physical therapist come out and do home visits. Mm -hmm. And just for two visits or so, just to teach us some strategies for placement and um, play, like putting toys out of reach to get the baby off balance. And um, yeah, so just helpful. Um, and once we learned kind of some strategies to do, it worked out great. We didn't have that, um, you know, she was able to catch up and meet the milestones. So um, developmentally, there was a few things like um, sensory issues had kind of always been off feeding. Feeding was fine, but um, textures, like they're kind of a picky eater, which I don't know if that was just the kid or... Mm -hmm. um, if it had something to do with all the tubes and right, yeah, kind of irregular, yeah. I guess you'll never know, really, because it could no. be there. Right. Very good. Yeah. So, for before we wrap up, any so what would you tell somebody who finds themselves in your position that right. you were in? Um, I think, like I said, you. I mean, if if we were in, like expecting our, our regular doctor that we um, knew and knew us, um, it would have maybe been a different experience, but we weren't in that situation. So mm -hmm. um, like I had one situation where I was told I had to take a, a medication every like four hours and somebody else said, Oh, it's like every 12 hours. And I was like, oh dear. That's a difference. You know yeah. I was, I was confused. So, um, and with having a kid in the NICU, you just need to be extra um, um, advocate for your yourself and your kid. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you ask questions if you don't know what's going on, um, and also, um, I guess just from my personal experience, I, I like I said before, I was um, grateful that I had the background and the support that I had, just having my family to support me and um so I I think what could have freaked me out I was trying to look at the po all the positives 
mm-hmm. um, they've had, um, you know, there's a lot of things to be, uh, a lot of strengths that this baby had and, you know, they're a little tighter. And um, so we, we tried to always look at the positive aspects right. of the situation and to get to it. So Yeah. So it seems like uh, just make sure that you keep your positivity and have faith in your baby that they just need time to grow. And then also like demonstrate virtue in your trust. Like don't yeah. excessively trust because you should ask questions and advocate for yourself, but then don't deficiently trust because know that like your baby's in the right place and they're doing more for the baby in the hospital than you right. could be doing at home. So right. Makes sense. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Yes. I don't, I I just wanted to share like that we had a a positive experience and I know it sounds very scary, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, all, all kids are, you know, I think, um, the excitement of having a kid and just watching it grow, your kid will be your kid no matter what. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I made a a couple due date groups on Facebook. So some babies have, so I'm due in April. So I'm in like March, April, May, and June groups because yeah. some are grouped by month and I'm end of April. So it could be May, but, um, yeah. in any event, so there are some babies who have been born and, and we're like following their journey yeah. now. And, and, uh, for the most part, everyone's doing, they're doing well. They're just waiting to grow. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So while it can be scary, like you said, there's hope. Yeah. Everything can be great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks for listening. The Unexpected Podcast is recorded and produced by Deborah Brooks and is sponsored by the Sit Down with Mike Racine Podcast, SLP's Wine and Cheese Podcast, and the Dad Show with Mike Racine Podcast. For more unexpected content, head over to www.patreon.com slash Deborah Brooks CCC SLP. If you love the show, I'd appreciate a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week.